all of my fellow liberty-loving Americans all across the fruited plains from sea to shining sea. This is the host who loves you the most, Luke Throop, here on another fine, fabulous, fantastic sort of Friday morning for Torch Report 457, The Chilling Possibilities of Evil. Friends, uh, you may have heard that we are told to guard our hearts. We know that we must guard our minds, and today we'll be discussing why, and perhaps more importantly, how exactly we can do that. So we're going to go ahead and start out here with just a little bit of wisdom, okay? Quote, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Period. End quote. That comes straight out of Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, uh, chapter 4, verse 23. Now, before we get into the spiritual aspects of guarding our hearts against the chilling possibilities of evil, I want to start out with a little biological assessment of reality. Uh, biologically speaking, the human heart develops before the brain, right? We have a heartbeat before the br- we, we have a brain. So the, the heart contains some 40 million specialized neurons that are known as the little brain within the heart. And this this little brain within the heart, it has presynaptic access to the mind via the vagus nerve. Thus, the admonition, above all else, guard your heart for everything, everything that you do flows from it. Now, Those scientists, they haven't quite figured out the science of all of these neurons in the heart and all of that. It all flows from there. And I put a screenshot in here, uh, a new 3D map that illuminates the little brain within the heart. The scientists say the nerves in the heart are still poorly understood, but they've mapped it out. So if you want to visualize what this little brain in the heart looks like, friends, uh, please check it out. If you're you're listening on a podcast platform, just go to thetorchreport.com, thetorchreport.com, check out Torch Report 457, you'll see the little uh, neurons in the heart. Now, there are many bits of wisdom uh, that speak to this truth that we have, you know, a brain in our hearts, if you will. And one of my favorite bits of wisdom also comes from the book of Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 23, 7. It says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And Of course, you know, many people like to mock the idea of thinking in the heart, but I think personally that it's absolutely foolish to mock the idea of thinking in the heart. You know, given the science of our biology, to me it makes perfect sense that those 40 million neurons in the heart serve the distinct purpose of inner reflection. This is the seat of our inner awareness. And out of this awareness sprouts the very essence of our soul. To guard the heart, then, means to guard this inner awareness. It means to guard our inner reflection. It means to guard the spirit within us. And so the question is, how? How do we guard our hearts? Raise your hands if you already know the answers. (laughs) Friends, I'm sure uh, many of my Christian brothers and sisters in the listening audience would be quick to shout out, put on the armor of God, put on the armor of God. That's what we got to do. 
Some would be quick to quote the New Testament book of Ephesians, which offers a few more words of wisdom I want to pull into the conversation. Again, reading from the book of Ephesians 6, chapter uh, chapter 6, verse 13 through 17, and I quote, Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, To stand, you can stand firm. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith and and with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Period. End quote. Now... <laughs> Here I am uh, reading some Bible verses in in place of doing some astute political analysis. Why is that? Mm, you know, at times I bend over backwards to avoid bringing the Bible into political analysis because reading the Bible tends to evoke a certain set of assumptions, and this certain set of assumptions reinforce the sort of group think that is being driven like a stake into the heart of American society. It's a wedge, the wedge of religion, okay? Religious divisions are just as bitter and caustic as political divisions. They're very, politics is just another set of religious beliefs, essentially, right? Uh, and, And the caustic divisions, whether we're talking about interfaith squabbling, or we're talking about atheistic assaults on religion in general, the truth is, the vast majority of the time that someone identifies as a leftist or a liberal, or they identify with liberal leftist politics, it's because they reject religious fundamentalism. Starting first and foremost with rejecting the Bible. Come on, what are you talking about the Bible for? The that that racist book, you know that that completely skewed and warped history of hu- of of humanity. I mean, come on, nobody really should believe be believing the Bible. That's what the leftist intellectuals think. And so, high on their own egos, these intellectual fools toss the baby out with the bathwater. And in doing so, they miss the opportunity to learn from perhaps the most prominent text in all of human history. Now, this is extremely short-sighted for several reasons, not the least of which is that, you know, tossing the baby out with the bathwater, you know, just casually dismissing the Bible, it creates a significant disadvantage in political discourse, public discourse. Uh, when, When somebody dismisses the Bible out of hand, they're unable to converse fluently in the language of the people. Friends, the point is this. You don't have to believe in the Bible to read it and learn from it, okay? One need not sacrifice their skepticism or relinquish their doubts to read the words and analyze the meaning of the words. Surely that makes sense to all of those self-avowed critical thinkers out there who are quick to mock the bitter clingers who love their guns and Bibles, right? Thus, while I strive not to mix politics and religion, because it so quickly creates a philosophical quagmire that degrades the bigger conversation. That's why I avoid it. At times, such as today, the reflecting on passages from the Bible it provides us with critical insights, practical, tactical things that we can, we can use in our life 
for the purpose of good. Again, the insights, you know, are only a fool would dismiss the insights. And so I want to reflect on these biblical passages for the sake of extracting practical and tactical in, uh, strategies and insights. Okay, so w- what we've learned so far, just from reading, you know, from Proverbs, guard your heart because everything flows from it. Okay, that's pretty straightforward. Uh, This wisdom aligns perfectly with modern science. And the third point is that whatever happens in your heart happens to manifest in your life. Okay, so as far as how to guard our hearts, we are told to put on the armor of God. And to me, that sounds good, right? Right on, man. Uh, Slap it on. But I'd like to unpack this, this, uh, insight from the angle of a spiritual skeptic, if you will. I want to try to remove the labels and strive for a rational understanding of what it means to put on the armor of God, kind of taking it line by line. Stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Stand firm with the breastplate of righteousness in place. Stand firm with ready feet fitted with the good news of peace. Stand firm with the shield of faith. Stand firm with the helmet of salvation. And stand firm with the sword of the spirit. Stand firm, my friends. We must stand firm. Now, we are told to don this armor in the days of evil so that we can stand our ground and remain standing. (laughs) Not just stand our ground and get laid on our ass by a great superior evil force. The question is, of course, are we in the days of evil? Now, the answer to this, and to me, to others, I think it's obvious. But for someone uh, who may doubt that evil exists, that may doubt uh, whether or not the evil impulse is currently driving world affairs. If that's where you're at, uh, that's fine. I'd recommend getting up to speed uh, with what I mean when I'm talking about the evil in the world. I put a few re- uh, links to a few reports to in, in the report today. Uh, Torture Report 282, The Shocking Rise of Satanism, 298, Deep Fakes in the Deep State, uh, 431, It Just Gets Stranger by the Day. And in those reports, again, I'm making the point repeatedly that one need not be religious. You need not believe in God or the devil or quote the Bible to look out into the world, just observe with your very own eyes and see and agree that there is in fact evil in the world. There are in fact people who are intentionally hurting others, people who are exploiting the vulnerable, people who are raping and pillaging the village just for the hell of it, okay? So uh, forgive me for inserting a disturbing image here, but there was some front page news and it has some bodies laying on the ground. And it's this story about how Arab fighters are carrying out a, a rolling ethnic massacre in the Sudan. And the article there goes on to say that people are being killed in their homes, in the streets and in the mosques. Women and girls are being raped and it goes on. It's terrible. It's terrible. Hideous. Evil. Okay. And of course, we don't, We don't have to look all around the world to see evil. We don't need to look any further than our own deployable, crime-ridden inner cities to see that this sort of depravity is also right here at home in the good old U.S. of A. The truth is there are evil people in the world. There always have been and there always will be. And these evil people are doing evil deeds each and every damn day. And only a fool would try to deny that, right? But the 
bigger picture here, the far greater evil is not actually the violence that's lashing out at us. Instead, friends, the greater evil in the world is that evil which operates on trickery and deception. It's, it's those who lie, who twist words, who lure their victims in with honey and handouts. You know, hey, kid, you want some candy? You know, uh, in today's world, that candy may be fentanyl, for example, you know, or another angle, you know, hey, citizen, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. I'll keep you safe. You know, friends, stand firm and resist the temptation to believe the lies. You cannot get something from nothing. And the government has nothing of its own to give. The government takes from some to give to others. It promises cradle, and grave and t- cradle to grave entitlements uh, to the poor and hungry peasants. And, you know, in doing so, the government has really monopolized manipulation, monetary manipulation. The government has turned American taxpayers into, the, into slaves of the state. And to me, that's evil. But let's get back to the bigger picture here. Because we can guard our hearts against uh, this evil, whether it's from the government or it's from some evildoer. We guard our hearts by donning the appropriate armor and defending ourselves with our available weapons. Now, I want you to think about tactical gear. Okay, you know, you think about a soldier, modern soldier. Think about, you know, the breastplate, the LBV, load-bearing vest, the K-pot, Kevlar helmet, you know, maybe the modern assault rifle, etc. If you can envision that in your mind, you might conjure up an image like the one I put in the report today, and this guy's standing there, and he's got this spiffy outfit, right? And he's all decked out and ready for war. Now, if you can imagine yourself being equipped and outfitted with all this gear... How'd you feel? I mean, you'd probably feel like a badass, right? I mean, like, yeah, I'm all ready for it. You know, I'm ready for anything. You might even start to get some sense of invincibility or at least maybe a hefty dose of confidence in your ability to survive the fight, right? I mean, if you're all decked out in military-grade gear, you're ready to go, and it's go time. But here's the thing. Even with all of this gear on, you are still just as vulnerable as ever. You know, I've I've written a lot about psychological warfare, about 5GW, fifth generation warfare, about the threats of menticide and subconscious taming. I've talked a lot about our mind, the fact that our minds are under relentless attack, but it's actually our hearts that they want to capture. They want to break our will to resist. They want to crush the rebellious, the rebellious spirit. You know, they want to subdue our wild and mysterious souls. As I've said before, friends, it's, it's spiritual assassination. Now, the sort of subversive attacks that we're under every day, these subversive attacks, they really aim to separate us from the spirit within, in a, in a sense, to make us forget that we're spiritual creatures. When we are separated from the spirit within, when we forget that we're spiritual creatures, that separates us from our inner strength, from our inner knowing, from discernment, from wisdom, inspiration, and ultimately, it separates us from ourselves. It separates us from our souls. And once they've done that, friends, then they've won the war without even firing a shot. 
This is the essence of the art of war. We've talked about it. It also happens to be how the communists plan on conquering the whole of humanity. And if that sounds crazy or you don't believe me, please go read Torch Report 390, How the Communists Plan to Win. But with that said, in the interest of time, let's go ahead and move on to some solutions here. How exactly, how do you guard your heart? I want to spell it out simply, friends. You know, to guard your heart, you need to put on the armor and pick up your weapons. Uh, your, your weapon in particular. Uh, we'll get to that. And, and going in order here, the first thing you do is you put on the belt of truth. And the belt of truth goes around your waist. And if you think about a wrestling match... You can see how the waist is the center of balance, right? Uh, you, you know, you got a you got a strong center there, and and balance is necessary in battle, is it not? Balance is necessary in life, but by extension, if you think about the belt of truth growing around the waist, the belt of truth gives you balance and it keeps you centered, and it does so by grounding the mind in natural reality. The belt of truth around the waist, gives you balance, keeps you centered, and it grounds the mind in actual, factual, natural reality. Then, next, okay, the next thing you do is you put on the breastplate of righteousness. You make sure that breastplate of righteousness is right in place. Now, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> Note that the breastplate of righteousness comes after the belt of truth. Why might that be? I'll tell you why. It's because any sense of righteousness can very quickly go to your head. Righteousness is not just, uh, you know, moral superiority. It's not just a smug sense of I'm better than everybody else or holier than thou, right? Uh, the belt of truth comes first because it grounds the mind in reality. And that keeps us, it keeps us in balance. It keeps us from getting this head level idea of we're so effing righteous. And it, it you know, it, when, it, when righteousness goes to the head, it causes us to stumble headlong down the prideful path. And of course, we know that pride comes before the fall. A smug sense of moral superiority is a false sense of confidence. Righteousness, righteousness needs not be an idea, friends. Righteousness is a deeper sense of goodness. It's a sense of knowing in the heart the right thing to do, right in the moments. It's the discernment between right and wrong. You know in your heart the difference between right and wrong. And the breastplate of righteousness protects this inner knowing. And again, friends, I must emphasize here, this is not a head-level experience. Now then... With the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness, you're ready to stand firm, right? You're, you're grounded in reality. Your heart is attuned to discern between right and wrong. So what's next, right? You're standing there, you know, should you take fight? Uh, should you fight or take flight? You know what I mean? Fight or flight, fight or flight. I'm, I'm in a battle. I'm standing firm. I'm, I'm braced for impact here. Now, what's next? Well, when your feet are properly affixed with the good news of peace, the gospel of peace, gospel is good news, then you are prepared for either path. You can either fight or you can flight. Peace may mean uh, the good news is we don't have to fight, right? We can walk away. We can take the higher road, live to fight another day, whatever. Then again, peace may mean that we need to fight to the death. And the good news is that's okay. It's okay to fight to the death. It's perfectly acceptable. And to fight to the death, it's perfectly natural to fight to the death. You know, think about the battle of life and death as it plays out in nature. 
and you'll know what I'm talking about here, right? You'll know in your heart what I mean. And if you think that fighting to the death is, is, is somehow ungodly or unholy, then, and you need some sort of scriptural reference to consider this, then think about Ecclesiastes. It says there's a time for everything, a time to kill, a time to hate, and a time for war. Okay? Chew on that a little bit. And with all of that firmly in your mind, as we stand firm in evil times, there will likely come a time when we do need to engage in battle, metaphorically, spiritually, and even militarily, as the need may be. But before we head into battle, we need to grab the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit. But what the hell does that even mean? Luke, what are you talking about here? Friends, rationally speaking, shields are used to block incoming attacks, right? So faith, the shield of faith, blocks the incoming mental, emotional, and spiritual attacks, and it does so by, by helping us hold firm to truth. Faith, to me, is belief in what's real, which is not always what I can see or understand, but it is, it is that which exists outside of my mind, right? It, uh, the, the truth and what is real exists outside of my limited cognitive capacity and my limited mental comprehension. I have faith that the world will keep turning. I have faith that when it's my time to, de to depart, then it's my time to depart. And therefore, I need not live in fear. Faith, friends, is the opposite of fear. And so fear not and have faith, you know. With faith, you can guard your heart. And similarly, uh, the helmet of salvation will help guard your mind right? Well, what is salvation? Well, salvation means the deliverance from destruction and difficulty and evil, okay? So when you guard your heart with the helmet of salvation, that means guarding your mind from destruction and evil by focusing on goodness and truth. In other words, you know, if you take a blow to the head, when the world rings your bell and all of a sudden you find yourself confused and frustrated or, or desperate and depressed, you know, the, then the focus goes on salvation. The focus goes on deliverance. The focus goes on this too shall pass. And for many people, the, this means uh, fixing their eyes on Jesus. Yet for others, it may mean just holding on to hope. Not hopium, friends, but hope. Which again, hope must be rooted in natural reality. Now, lastly, grab your sword, right? You're getting ready to head into the battle. Grab your sword. It's the sword of the spirit. Not your spirit, but the spirit. Your spirit is all armored up and you're ready to face the chilling evils of the day. Your heart and your mind are protected by faith and hope. Now you must enter the fray. Pick up the sword of the Spirit. Hold it in your hands. You are powerful. You are powerful because of the power that flows through you. When you wield your sword with intention, you are wielding the power of Almighty God. Friends, you are in fact a spiritual beast. You know, incredible cosmic creatures, sons and daughters of God, so proceed wisely. Now that said, put differently for my atheist friends, um, you know, if you don't, if you don't like the, the framework of God and all of that, that's fine. Understand this. It is through the power of your intention, through our intentions, that we manifest our heart's desires in the material world. If you want to do good and stand up against evil and protect people and the innocent and vulnerable people from being hurt, okay, then... You know, that's done by, by taking action. In other words, friends, through the magic of taking action, 
We quite literally manipulate the universe at the molecular world. Uh, <laughs> we quite literally manipulate the universe at the molecular level. We, we can manipulate the world around us, okay, through the power of intentions. At simplest terms, friends, we stand against evil by taking action. You need not uh, uh, call on the name of God to do so. But as we face the chilling possibilities of evils all around us, as darkness seems to be having its day, these are the truths that set me free. And that's why I wanted to share them with you today, friends. Guard your heart. Life is good. And it's a great day to be alive. It's a great day to get out there and live it. And remember, friends, never let them steal your joy. And that is the message of my heart for today. If you're enjoying this podcast, please take the time to go to the website, find the heart, click the heart, and give me some love. Subscribe if you have not subscribed already. And of course, the greatest honor of all is if you share this podcast with everyone you know. Get out there and embrace the rest of this fiery Friday. Have a wonderful weekend, friends. And I'll look forward to talking to you again soon.